Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Now, nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter of a tank of gas if you're lucky. You know what it will get you, though? For just $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk and text and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today, and if you do it today, you save an additional 50% off your first month. They use the same 5G network, same cell towers as the big carriers, and most families saving close to $1,000 a month. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, that's Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. You know, attention to detail is critical when you own your own business, so use LegalZoom.com for the legal details. Now, their network of independent attorneys licensed in 48 states, well, they know local laws and can provide answers to your legal questions. LegalZoom.com is not a law firm, so you won't pay by the hour. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. Why would you, Linda, even ask that question? Am I going to run Hillary's stupid foreign policy speech? Donald Trump is dangerous and he's frightening and he's scary. You know, the thing about her campaign that's so bad is it is so predictable. Oh, my God, the world's going to burn down if, if Donald Trump is elected and has his finger on the nuclear button. Oh, stop it. Give me a break. No, I, no, I don't even want to pot it up for a second. No, okay. There's a speech going on. Trump ideas are dangerously incoherent. This is someone who has threatened to abandon our allies in NATO. The countries that NATO is outdated. Root out terrorists. Down, down. I don't want to hear it. Nobody in this audience wants to hear it. My job is to keep an audience for as long as I can listening to this program. Now, with all the talk at Trump University, wait till you hear about Bill Clinton's university connections and the problems that they have. It is fascinating how everything the Clintons have tried against Trump boomerangs back against them. And I think it all started with, with women. And he, Trump goes right back about Hillary being an enabler and Bill Clinton abusing women. That backfires. The New York Times tries it. That backfires. All the women defend Trump. Then, of course, it exposes the New York Times' bias. Then we see the choreographing by Telemundo this week. Then we've got the eight seconds inserted by, by uh, Katie Couric. 
It's unbelievable what we're learning. All right, let's start, though. Now, Obama wanted to criticize Donald Trump in a speech yesterday. This is priceless. I aired this on TV last night. Every time I aired it with a tease, I was laughing. This is so funny. Listen to this. If we turn against each other based on divisions of race or religion, if we fall for, you know, a bunch of okey doke okey doke just because, you know, it sounds funny or the tweets are provocative, then we're not going to build on the progress that we started. Oh, okay. The progress that we started. Now, here is Obama blaming Fox News and talk radio for angering white people. That's what he said about the economy, arguing that it's actually doing so well under his administration. Here's what he said. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm just being blunt with you. Yeah. By telling hardworking middle-class families that the reason they're getting squeezed is because of some moochers at the bottom of the income ladder, because of minorities or because of immigrants or because of public employees or because of feminists or because, of, because, because poor folks who aren't willing to work, they've been able to promote policies that protect powerful special interests and those who are at the very top of the economic pyramid. That's just the truth. I, I hope... I hope you don't mind me being blunt about this, but I've been listening to this stuff for a while now. And and, and I'm concerned when I watch the direction of our politics. I mean, we have been hearing this story for decades. Tales about welfare queens, talking about takers, talking about the 47%. It's the story that is broadcast every day on some cable news stations, on right-wing radio. It's pumped into cars and bars and VFW halls all across America and right here in Elkhart. And if you're hearing that story all the time, you start believing it. It's no wonder people think big government is the problem. Let's go over the record, shall we? Because I think this is smart. He claimed the U.S. economy is so better off under his presidency by almost every measure. Really? You know, median household income is down nearly $2,000 from what it was in 2008. Did you know that? Middle-income American families make substantially less money. This was in the New York Times in inflation-adjusted terms than, than years ago, and there's no evidence of that reversing. Did you know that last year, workers' salaries and benefits, oh, they rose a 2%. Labor Department said the Employment Cost Index, which tracks wages and benefits, rose 0.6% from October to December, that quarter. And that's the same as the previous three months. In the past year, salaries and benefits, wow, that's just pathetic. You want to know what? um, how many Americans now live in poverty? Nearly 10 million more Americans are in poverty since this guy's become president. Oh, boy. About 46.7 million Americans live in poverty. I keep telling you, 50 million Americans in poverty, 95 million out of the the labor force. We'll get to that in a second. Number of people on food stamps during Obama's time in office, more than 13 million people. Wow, that's 44 and a half million Americans on food stamps. You want to know what the number was when he became president? 31 million. Now it's 45 million. Wow. I guess maybe the labor force participation rate is 62.8 percent. 
We haven't seen a number that bad since March of 1978. Since Obama's taken office, we have lost 264,000 manufacturing jobs. Home ownership rate has dropped by nearly 4% from 67.3 to 63.5. Average families' health care premiums under Obamacare have increased by nearly 40%, according to the Kaiser Foundation and their 2015 Employer Health Benefits Survey. 93% of countries, I'm sorry, counties in the United States have failed to fully recover under Obama's watch. He's had eight years to fix it. Oh, and the national debt, by the time he leaves office, he will accumulate more debt than every other president before him combined. The so-called recovery has been the slowest since World War II. Really? Even Bill Clinton understands this. Bill Clinton, you know, slammed Obama's time and all. You know, we're finally coming to a point where we can, you know, put the awful legacy of the last eight years behind us. Oops, sorry, moment of truth slipping out of Bill Clinton's mouth. But don't no, it's talk radio. The numbers don't lie. The president does lie. The president saying that the economy is better is a lie. By almost every measure, it's worse. Socialism has failed yet once again. And the idea, yeah, that we, you know, with so little people, with so little with so few jobs available, yeah, illegal immigration's a problem. You want to know why? Because those people can't get on food stamps. They've got to work. So guess what? They're going to get hired before an American because they'll work for less. So not only do Americans have jobs taken away from them, then they get wages driven down. Never mind the fact that illegal immigrants can cross the border, and that's a problem also. But don't, you know, then, of course, Hillary's praising the president's policies. Hillary will double down on stupidity in the president's policies here. It's unbelievable to me. So the president lies again because, well, that's what this president does regularly. Um, I'm going to get to this later in the program. I bet you didn't know the American thinker, Ross Story. I'm putting two stories together here. I bet you didn't know that the Clintons, as they attacked Donald Trump University, now we've learned a few things about this in the last 24 hours. Number one, we learned that the judge involved in the case, oh, it turns out he is a, the presiding judge is a, uh, uh, over the university, Trump University case, is a member of La Raza. You know, La Raza meaning the race lawyers group. Ooh, maybe he has a, a, a conflict of interest here. Maybe he should have recused himself. Maybe that's why it's being shed in the worst light. Then we found out. And our friend Jeff Lord broke this story over at the American Spectator that uh, the Robbins Geller law firm that appointed appointed by Judge Gonzalo Carrillo to represent the plaintiff in the Trump University uh, lawsuit has another connection to Hillary beyond the twenty seven hundred dollar campaign contribution from the firm chairman, Darren Robbins. Anyway, it turns out that Robbins Geller paid the Clintons nearly a half a million dollars in less than a year. And what for? Speeches, of course. So, Doran, I guess the Obama years have been good for those rich people called the Clintons. Just in case you're interested in some facts. Anyway, I'm going to get into this. Wait till you hear how much Bill Clinton made and how corrupt this whole laureate uh, educational system is. And it's fascinating to watch everything boomerang back against the Clintons. I mean, Hillary used the State Department even to boost Bill's for-profit college scam And some of the students at this college speak out as well. 
Except you don't know it because the same New York Times that tried to portray Donald Trump as a misogynist, and that backfired. The same Katie Couric that tried to, that inserted eight seconds in a piece. The same Telemundo, they're not going to do it. It's amazing to read, you know, today in USA Today, they're so angry at the treatment. Trump's alarming view of the press mustn't be tolerated is a headline in USA Today today. I'm like, I'm cheering that the press is being exposed as a bunch of biased, phony, corrupt, morally, a morally bankrupt industry that I work in. The only difference between me and them, I'm honest. I'm telling you, I'm a conservative. I don't hide it. Now, something very strange is going on. I want to spend some time on this today in the Democratic Party that I think is very important that you better pay attention to. And it's real simple. The closer that Hillary Clinton gets to securing the nomination, think about this, the weaker she's becoming. I've got a story here today, ABC News expert, a guy is out there predicting a Sanders upset in California. It's now a two-point race in California. And even Doug Schoen said if if Sanders wins California, who would have thunk it? 17 Republicans, they resolved this how long ago? And yet the Democratic Party, she can't beat a 74-year-old bitter, angry, curmudgeon socialist from Vermont. She's getting weaker every day. And the main reason for this is, you know, all the scandal, all the corruption, all the dishonesty. I mean, for example, you know, she's an ethical wreck and an ethical mess, and it becomes more clear and more obvious every day. You know, look, for example, you have this former information technology advisor. I kept telling you to pay attention to the name Brian Pagliano. And I'm telling you, remember, oh, that guy Hannity, the dope on the radio said it. Remember, he exercises his Fifth Amendment again. He had done it once. Then he got immunity. And now he's doing it again because he wants to prevent any video recording from being made of the session. Probably doesn't want retribution from the Clintons. Doesn't want any evidence of it. Now, Pagliano won't answer questions. He's asked by Judicial Watch, the same people that depose Cheryl Mills and Uma Abedin and maybe soon even Hillary herself. But anyway, as they pursue their Freedom of Information Act lawsuit related to the Clinton private email server, they're going to take uh, Pagliano's deposition on Monday. Pagliano previously pled the fifth and he called uh, he was called to appear before a closed session of the House Benghazi Committee. He reportedly spoke with FBI investigators looking into the Clinton email setup after receiving immunity from the government. And that means he's a cooperating witness. That means he's got something our government wants in its investigation of Hillary Clinton. Pay attention to Brian Pagliano. He has provided information that will allow investigators probably to knit together the emails with other evidence, including images of Clinton on the road as secretary of state and how she has put at risk operatives in the field, national security and a bunch of other things. Now, you have Cheryl Mills this week. State Department, you have Judicial Watch. They tangled last Friday as Mills testified in this deposition in a lawsuit related to Clinton's use of a private email server during her tenure as Secretary of State. And the strategy of Mills and her lawyers was to constantly and repeatedly and obsessively register objections to any line of inquiry. And the explanation's obvious. Cheryl Mills is exceedingly close, like Uma Abedin, to Mrs. Clinton. They've been lawyered up. 
and they have a huge amount of incriminating evidence against her, and she's going to fight every effort to elicit that information. Now, Catherine Herridge has done a great job uh, over at the Fox News Channel, and they've got literally four lawyers, uh, seven total, four representing the Justice Department and State Departments, along with Cheryl Mills' personal attorneys. Seven attorneys in there. They objected two, more than 200 times during a five-hour deposition, effectively blocking Cheryl Mills' responses to questions about Brian Pagliano's role in all of this. What does she have to hide? What's, what's Brian Pagliano know that they don't want you to know? But, of course, Hillary claims she's being so transparent, just like Obama. All right, we'll get into more of this and what a, what a mess this whole thing is. We've got that coming up uh, in the course of the program. You're going to hear a story today. We're putting it together, thanks to others, Raw Story and American Thinker, about, oh, the Clinton's university problem and the millions that they made from a corrupt system that many students have complained about. You need to take control of your family and assets. Now, it sounds like common sense, but too many people procrastinate instead of getting an estate plan before it's too late. Now, with LegalZoom.com, there's no reason to put it off any longer. Now, you don't have to figure out on your own whether you need a will or a living trust and what's best for you. Instead, you work with an independent attorney, now available in 48 states. Now, they'll walk you through your options and recommend an estate plan that offers the best solution to fit your needs. And since LegalZoom is not a law firm, well, you can count on efficiency and value. Everything is on your schedule, your terms, plus you know what your estate plan bundle costs up front instead of worrying about high hourly rates. Now, that's how LegalZoom has become the leader in helping families with their legal needs. You get the legal help, and you walk away feeling great about it. So don't leave the most important decisions that you can make in the hands of other people. Take control of your family's future with an estate plan bundle at LegalZoom.com today. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. Some breaking news, and that is that Paul Ryan, Donald Trump can help make uh, reality of a bold House policy agenda. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the speaker, but if you look at what Donald Trump's agenda is, well, they're going to have to be pretty bold to outdo the boldness of what he's doing. Anyway, so Paul Ryan has said six months ago, I took the job as speaker. My House colleagues and I were discussing an equally important question. What could House Republicans do to give Americans a clear choice about the future of the country? Count us among the majority of Americans upset with the direction of the country is headed. But that's not enough. Well, part of the problem is, Mr. Speaker, and I say this respectfully, Republicans have been weak and timid and lacking courage and a backbone. And you basically have enabled the Obama agenda and you didn't use the power of the purse. You didn't you didn't repeal and replace those aspects of Obamacare that you said you would. You had a lot of show votes when Boehner was speaker. I, I know you weren't speaker at the time. And he said he spent all of his adult life, Paul Ryan said, pursuing ways to help protect the American idea, a notion that the condition of one's birth does not determine the outcome of, outcome of one's life. The first step is always putting it on paper and having a real debate. And with the Obama presidency nearing an end, we have a real opportunity to get big things done in the next four years. That's why next week my colleagues and I will start introducing a series of policy proposals that address 
the American people's top priorities. These plans are the result of months of work by House Republicans. The concept from the start was simple. If we had a Republican president ready to sign bills into law, what would we do? This month, we'll show the country what a better tax code looks like. I like that idea. We'll outline a plan not just for repealing Obamacare, but replacing it with a better system, more focused on patients and choices and lower costs. Well, Obamacare has raised costs 40%. We'll offer a plan to restore the constitutional and separation of powers that decades of executive overreach have eroded. That's a good thing. We'll present the ideal national security and foreign policy to keep Americans safe. Well, you have to rebuild the military first and foremost. Uh, Take care of our veterans should be part of this. We'll show how we can reform rules and regulations so they spur the economy and create jobs, not destroy them. We'll offer a better way to help people lift people out of poverty and into lives of self-determination. It'll be a positive, optimistic vision. Well, he's not talking about building the wall. He's not talking about sending education back to the states and ending Common Core. He's not talking about energy independence. I didn't hear anything about the VA reform or building our military. I hope he's talking about health care savings accounts, and I hope a balanced budget not in 25 years, but four years. Anyway, that's what I'm hoping for. Anyway, so that with that said, he did say Donald Trump can help make it a reality, and he's now supporting him. Well, we'll see who's going to be listening to who here. Why is Kogo running Hillary's speech out in San Diego and streaming us? No, they're streaming her speech. But they're streaming and running the speech. Can you write the people over at Kogo? What is wrong with these people? Who runs that station? I mean, that is the dumbest decision I think I've ever heard. Who's programming? The reason we have quadrupled your ratings. Let me be honest here. Out in San Diego is because you got rid of what you were doing. If you put Hillary on in my spot for a half hour, you are chasing my listeners away. As a matter of fact, they're running away scared. What difference at this exactly. point does it make? It makes a big difference to me because I'd like to keep the ratings up high where they are. So can somebody call Kogo Radio and tell them that running Hillary's speech was a dumb idea? Good grief. Who makes the decisions for this company? That is so dumb. Anyway, now now I have to get everybody up to speed. So this week has not been good. I started out by saying the closer that Hillary gets to securing the nomination, the weaker she becomes. And the main reason are the, the many scandals, her being an ethical mess and an ethical wreck. And I talked about Brian Pagliano exercising his first uh, Fifth Amendment rights to self-incrimination against self-incrimination at a deposition on Monday. Also, Pagliano took the fifth once before, but he got immunity from the government. That means he's a cooperating witness. And by all accounts, he'll be a devastating witness, which is why Cheryl Mills, when questioned in a deposition last Friday, repeatedly refused to talk about Brian Pagliano. And seven lawyers in the room representing the Justice Department, the State Department, uh, Cheryl Mills' personal attorneys objected more than 200 times to the five-hour deposition blocking Cheryl Mills' responses to questions about Pagliano. I keep saying, Pagliano, pay attention. He's going to end up being the John Dean of the Hillary Clinton email uh, scandal as the guy who set up the private email server for the Clintons in a mom-and-pop shop in a bathroom closet. So he's invoking his 
Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination when he's going to be deposed by Judicial Watch because he doesn't want to be videotaped. Now, it begs the question, why is Brian Pagliano worried about incriminating himself in a non-criminal lawsuit, especially when he's cut a deal with the Justice Department, which is granting him immunity from criminal prosecution? I'll leave that to the legal experts here. But in the meantime, we have a Clinton email gate kingpin desperately trying to keep you, the American people, from finding out what he knows about Hillary's criminal misconduct, which means that probably he's fearing some type of retaliation or intimidation that has come his way. So we'll find out over time. Now, add to Brian Pagliano and add to Cheryl Mills. You have the State Department Inspector General's report. It shows that Hillary Clinton willfully failed to comply with the federal record-keeping laws. Now, those are laws. And when you break the law, there are consequences. And I guarantee you, somebody that knows all about this is a guy by the name of General David Petraeus. Anyway, it was an 83-page Inspector General report. And uh, what they found is, is Clinton and her team consistently broke government rules for email and record-keeping. And her decision to use a personal, unsecured server exclusively for government business had the effect of moving classified information outside of secure government channels. That is against the law. That is a felony. That would prevent anybody from ever working in any government position again that had anything to do with clearance. That would mean president. And on top of that, we know that Hillary has repeatedly lied about her conduct. She has repeatedly said her private server and email account, there was no permission to be asked for. It was done by my predecessors. It was permitted. Now, that's a flat-out lie. None of her predecessors, not one, had private, unsecured email servers. None of them conducted their State Department business on private email instead of a state.gov email address. None of them set up an unsecure email server to escape congressional oversight like she did. Mrs. Clinton never sought approval. And when John Podesta wrote in an email to supporters claiming that had Hillary known of any concerns about her email setup at the time, she would have taken steps to address them. She believed she was following the practices of other secretaries and senior officials. That, too, is a lie. There are so many. I can give you the list of lies here. Lie number one in Podesta's letter. Podesta's a known hack liar, Clinton sycophant. He's got his head so far up their backsides. I mean, I'm surprised he can even see. Anyway, so Podesta says, well, Hillary Clinton's email was well known by many State Department officials throughout her tenure. Well, the inspector general said no. Senior department officials were not asked to approve a private email server and said they were unaware of the scope and extent of Secretary Clinton's use of personal email accounts and a server. Podesta said there's no evidence of a breach of her email server. Well, the inspector general contradicted that, too. The Clinton staff actually had to shut down her server temporarily because of hacking attempts and cyber attacks must be reported. Yet the IG found no evidence that the secretary or her staff ever reported any of those incidents to computer security personnel or anyone else within the department. Podesta, the liar, said she believed she was following practices of other secretaries and senior officials. Well, Colin Powell, well, he did have a private email. He did. Not a private server. Huge difference. Technology guidelines, by the time she got in office, 
were more detailed and far more sophisticated, according to the inspector general, and specifically discussed, quote, the obligation to use the department systems in the most in most circumstances. So she lied there, too, as Podesta lied. Podesta said she'd taken unprecedented steps to ensure public access to her emails, providing the department with all of her work-related emails totaling 55,000 pages and calling for their release. Oh, okay. Here's the problem. The inspector general pointed out the production of emails was incomplete, and that doesn't even include the 30,000 emails she deleted that she told us were only about yoga, a wedding, a funeral, and conversations with Bill who doesn't use email. That's not been a good week for her. You know, so all of these lies, you know, that she was in a position of authority to get the full information of her emails out, that's not what the inspector general contradicted that. She wouldn't, and her aides wouldn't speak with investigators of the State Department's Office of Inspector General, but Colin Powell did, and Condoleezza Rice did, and everyone else participated, not Hillary, while they were preparing their report. So she didn't participate at all. So you got this email server scandal. It's already being investigated by James Comey and the FBI. And now it's impacting the race. Catherine Herridge, my colleague at Fox, and Pam Brown over at Fox report the State Department Inspector General report increases, quote, the likelihood and the pressure for the Justice Department to pursue criminal charges, according to an intelligence source familiar with the FBI investigation. It's very harmful to her and increases the likelihood and the pressure the Department of Justice to indict. I'm pretty convinced the FBI is going to find criminal wrongdoing. I'm pretty convinced, based on comments of people like Rudy Giuliani and Chris Christie and people that know James Comey, and based on James Comey's conduct, appointed by then-President George W. Bush and threatened to resign over an issue involving, you know, information and stuff with with senator ashcroft they actually he actually raced over to his hospital room when alberto gonzalez was going there to beat him it was ridiculous i mean the level of detail so anyway you know it's as we know it now the fbi probe is investigating the email practices they're focused on whether more than 2100 classified emails discovered on her server constitute a violation of federal code especially and specifically the Espionage Act, 18 U.S. Code 793, known as Gross Negligence Statute. In other words, was this treated with gross negligence? Of course it was, because she was trying to do this to avoid and escape congressional oversight. It's beyond dispute that Gross Negligence Statute has been violated, just on what we know publicly, what we learned from the other inspector general about special access programs on her server. Do you know what? That's a higher classification, more sensitive classification than top secret. You know, so it's, you know, based on just what is known publicly, we know the gross negligence statute has been violated to say nothing of what the FBI may be discovered in their investigation, which means that if James Comey, the director of the FBI overseeing the investigation, does what the law would apply to you and me, He's going to recommend a criminal referral, an indictment of the former first lady secretary of state. And I've got to wonder, and this is just speculation on my part. I wonder if that's why Doug's shown he might have a contact. And he's saying it may be very likely Hillary's not going to be the nominee. Anyway, if Comey does, in fact, recommend the indictment and the Justice Department refuses to act on it, 
I would predict to you that James Comey will resign and that this scandal will now take over the entire campaign, even beyond what it has already done. You know, this is the FBI primary and probably the most important primary of this political season. Anyway, so that's what we have on that. Pay attention to these things. But another poll shows California slipping away from Hillary. It's now 48, 46. 20,000 people have signed up for Occupy DNC anti-Hillary protests for the DNC convention in Philly. Oh, this is going to be a, I don't know if I'm going to make it to Pat's or Gino's with all that going on. And Hillary's trying to distract and, and obfuscate today. Oh, Donald Trump's foreign policy positions are dangerous. If you listen to Kogo Radio, you know all about it. You were forced to listen to that garbage, which I'm very fundamentally sorry for. You know? I mean, this is the same old, same old. Have any of you heard of the name Jill Stein? Do you know who Jill Stein is? Linda, you, you read news a lot, right? Does anybody in that room know who Jill Stein is? Anybody? And I'm not, it's not a trick question. Do you know it's a Green Party presidential candidate that's running? You know, Gary Johnson announced. Is he not the dullest human being on the face of the earth? He wants to be president. What is Bill Weld thinking? Bill Weld's a smart guy. What does he think in joining forces with this idiot? Unlike him, I have some experience with the tough calls and the hard work of statecraft. I wrestled with the Chinese over a climate deal in Copenhagen, brokered a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, negotiated the reduction of nuclear weapons with Russia, twisted arms to bring the world together in global sanctions against Iran, and stood up for the rights of women, religious minorities, and LGBT people around the world. All right, so it's the quintessential Democratic playbook. Republicans are racist, sexist, and dangerous. Typical campaign, boring speech, Hillary Clinton, not worth covering for those of you that were stuck to hear it in San Diego today on Kogo Radio. Sorry about that. Not my decision. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. It's always an honor, a privilege, a pleasure to welcome back our friend Ann Coulter to the program. She wrote the book, Adios America, and I was reading your column today. I really enjoy reading your columns. You're one of my favorite columnists because you're so iconoclastically irreverent. And uh, Thank you. I didn't know you were writing another book. And you're writing a book about Trump. What is it? It's it's on our next president. Yes. Well, what? Okay. Details. What is it about? <laughs> our next president. And uh, technically, um, what I said in the column was true. It was due yesterday. It was not turned in yesterday. But I think it will be turned in. Um, well, L- by listen. The end of this the week, is how long. Tomorrow. This is how long we've been friends. We've been friends. I remember way way back in the day, and this is over a decade ago where you used to talk about, oh, I can't write books anymore because I sit there and I just chain smoke cigarettes as I, as I write them, and you haven't done that in over a decade, right? Well, I never said I couldn't write books. I've always loved the writing and research. It's my favorite thing to do. But it is true that um, after the first three, there was high crimes and misdemeanors and right. slander and then treason. And those were all things that had been, you know, burbling up in me for it seems like my whole life. I was a big... I was writing about Joe McCarthy when I was in college, and starting with my, so I I thought I'd gotten everything out of my system. So starting with treason, um, and all of my friends will tell you this, because every time I say it again, they remind me I've said it about the last eight books. I'll say, okay, that's it. I got nothing else in me, nothing new to say. And I do always think that. I mean, I never 
I never go about writing a book by saying, I need to write a book. Let me think of a subject. Um, it's always that something is just presented to me, thrown in my lap, something important I need to research and point out. Um, and I think that's true with with Donald Trump. As, as you know, I was an early adopter. From the moment he gave that Mexican rapist speech, he had my heart, and I, and I never turned away. Um, and, you know, slowly the rest of the world is catching up, and I think, I think they will have caught up by November. I got to tell you, like when he took on the media this week, I find his strength inspiring. And I'll tell you what you, what you yes. can compare it to. You can compare it to McCain, who wouldn't bring up Reverend Wright. You can compare it to McCain, who, who yep. agonized over bringing up Ayers and Dorn. You can com- compare it to Bob Dole's campaign. I am tired of Republicans being slandered and besmirched and attacked for things that are absolutely false, that they're racist and sexist and Poor Mitt Romney carried around women's resumes and he wanted to hire them. What an awful human being he was. Uh, We've never seen anything like Trump before, and it came not a moment too soon. Uh, I think, as he said in his opening speech, the country is getting very close to the tipping point where it will be unsalvageable. One of the things I really admire about Trump that I also admired about Reagan, and I will say this, um, Mitt Romney, uh, most people who run for president, you know, it's just the next step. It's like running for student council. This is what they've done their whole lives. Uh, Reagan and Trump <laughs> were making their lives immeasurably worse by running for president. They didn't have to do it, and far more in the case of Donald Trump than than the other two, either Reagan or Mitt Romney. In that first week, Donald Trump lost hundreds of millions of dollars by talk, saying true and important things about illegal immigration. For speaking the truth, he lost deals with Macy's, with Univision, um, with NBC. And and what did he do this week, by the way? I hear the PGA Tour pulled out on one of his... They're going to Mexico. I just sat back and thought, wait, what did he do? Did I miss some other great statement of his? It's just, I mean, it's never-ending. But this has been part, from what I can tell... Part of his personality his whole life, I never realized it until that announcement speech. I never really thought much about him until that announcement speech. Um, but he is a problem solver, and people I know who, who have known him and been in meetings with him, they say, you know, throughout these meetings of reports, he'll just he'll look bored, he'll be throwing, you know, spitballs um, as everything, you know, the good news is being reported on. And as soon as someone will say something like, oh, and this other issue, well, this is a big problem. Suddenly he'll, you know, come alive, and he's like RoboCop. He loves solving stuff. Um, and I think that's what, what, what he looked at our country and said, we need someone to speak the truth. And, oh, my gosh, you are so right about him not backing down to the media. This is not an incidental point. No one has ever done this before. You know, political connect- correctness is kind of recent. Um, I mean, I think Reagan probably would have, but it didn't really... Political correctness has really taken off in the last 10 years. And the bossy, arrogant media, not only sneering and humiliating Republicans, but but sneering and mocking the American people. Trump doesn't let them do that with his supporters. He stands stands for truth, and he stands with his supporters. I like the strength. You know, it's it's actually hilarious to watch. Trump's alarming view of the press must not be tolerated. Some guy named Rem Ryder writing for USA Today. And I'm That's like, great. no, it's got to it, not only is it tolerated, he called them. Out. Do you see that scum in the back of the room? <laughs> uh, it, uh, just because it's true. 
And we well, learned a lot about. But think Lamas, one of my faves, a sleaze. Lamas was the one, last time I was on your show. I was talking about Tom Lamas on ABC World News Tonight. Described, you know, Juanita Broderick. Your listeners surely know all about that story, and said that her claim to have been raised by Bill Clinton was, I quote discredited i've been trolling him on 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 twitter to ask him what what's your evidence do you have some new new evidence in this case that none of us have heard about um no word back from him yet and i'm pretty sure it was tom lamas whom um, trump said oh my gosh that press conference was so magnificent anyone who hasn't seen it you ought to go online and watch it it's linked about a dozen times on my twitter feed but he was reading from all of the veterans organizations he's given to he was responding to lies from the media um, to say where the five million six hundred thousand dollars had been distributed to these various veterans groups and he would um, periodically interrupt his listing of where the money had gone just to take a shot at the press <laughs> let me let me give you a list here because as you know i have interviewed him as much as anybody and i have really in spite of criticism against me i have asked him every question that i could possibly think of and i have pinned him down a number of times on what he would where he stands on the issues he explained his position how he converted to being pro-life, and, and he's very pro-Second Amendment. Explain that in the first debate beautifully. Yeah, he really did. And, and he, he gave the list of justices that he put on the Supreme Court. He's promised, his, here's his agenda. He's pro-life, pro-Second Amendment. He gave us a list of justices, a pool of justices, his names he pulled from if he, when making Supreme Court appointments. He promises to rebuild the military. He's identified radical extremists as an enemy that we need to bomb the sh- out of. He said he'd fix the VA, build the wall and secure the border, repeal and replace Obamacare. He's leaning and his website says health care savings accounts. He says he wants to expand coal, drilling, fracking, nuclear and all other technology. He said he'd end Common Core and send education back to the states. He said he'd negotiate free and fair trade deals, better trade deals. And you know, if I could interrupt he, for a one moment. last thing, that's one, one more. And he pledged to balance the budget. What is okay, not conservative? All of that could be said by any other candidate running for president as a Republican except the trade deals. I noticed you didn't mention anything about immigration. I think his yes, I did. I said the bill the wall can be summarized in a single sentence. He will put America first, last, and always, and he will do it. And he doesn't care that the press and the entire media will scream bloody murder about it. He cares about Americans first, not foreigners first. I mean that that that. Well, I don't. If your listeners heard the beginning of of my segment here, you had that speech from Hillary going on and on about how she's done this, she's done that. I couldn't even listen. I was falling asleep. And a peace deal here, and I pushed for the rights of women in this country, in that country. No, this is the typical politician listing these 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 tiny little specifics. We don't want. But to I hear believe that. it. But I, be- but, no, but I believe him. What we want is the core central organizing philosophy. And Donald Trump is the first person since Ronald Reagan to come along and say he's putting our interests first, whether it's on trade or immigration or flinging troops around the world for pointless wars um, that, get, that end up <laughs> turning out worse than, than they were when we went in. Although I do blame... The failure of the Iraq war, not on the war, but on Obama's withdrawal, and I hate him for that, but yep. what can you do? I mean, going forward, having seen that Obama could destroy a, a victorious war by, coming, by being elected and pulling out every last troop, does that encourage you to do it again? 
No, just the opposite. You know, but I think you missed my point. It's like he's saying specific things, and you're right. I like the idea of America first. You know, I went through a series of statistics. So Obama yesterday attacked Fox News and attacked talk radio, and and then he made this idiotic uh, comment that we're better off uh, economically by almost every economic measure. Nothing could be further from the truth. You're right. And then you've got a dishonest media and everything boomerangs back when they attack Trump. The New York Times, it boomeranged back. The women supported him. And then it exposed that they don't interview Broderick and Willie and and Juanita uh, and uh, Paula Jones. Then you've got, you know, ABC and NBC. And you've been tweeting about this, how Juanita Broderick rape claim was discredited. It was never discredited, ever, by They're anybody, just liars, ever. And Trump is pointing it out, and the, uh, the American people have seen this. Even whether you are liberal or conservative, the lies from the media, the always putting Americans last, the blaming Americans for everything, not caring for, for Obama to come out. Look, I'm sorry for any listeners. If you're a Democrat and you voted for, voted for Obama, okay, fine, but unless you live in Washington or New York City and happen to work on Wall Street, that isn't true in your life. Your life has gotten worse, and that president, that party, and I've got to tell you, most of my party do not care about you. This is the first man who's come along who cares about ordinary Americans and doesn't care what the press says, doesn't care what his neighbors say, doesn't care that he's being attacked from absolutely every media outlet. What do you say to the David Frenches of the world? What do you say to these other people that want to run third party and help Hillary? Because Bill Crystal is pissing me off. Well, I think it shows that they were never really serious about the stuff you and I care about in the first place, Sean. I mean, just to take one example, I'm sure you've talked about it, but it's a pretty darn important example. There is absolutely no question that if Hillary Clinton is elected, um, she will appoint probably two, up to three or four Supreme Court justices, and you know damn well what the first thing is they're going to do. She has said it. Liberals have said it. They will call up. District of Columbia versus Heller, the first time the Supreme Court acknowledged the meaning of the Second Amendment. Um, I don't think gun groups even supported that case going to the Supreme Court because we were getting along fine. Um, Don't want to risk it. Supreme Court may say you have to be in a militia, and there are no militias, so there's no Second Amendment. If they overturn Heller and they are absolutely dead set determined to, that is the end of the Second Amendment in America. There's no question about that. To risk allowing Hillary to get into the White House, I would also add at this point, you you know quite well, I was adamantly, ferociously opposed to John McCain, and when it was down to Obama, Hillary, and McCain, I was for Hillary over McCain because we McCain would have given us amnesty, and that would have been. You want to hear something country. funny? Only because you it would know, have been too late even for 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 Trump to save if McCain had gotten in and pushed through amnesty. In any event, when the no. time came to it, when it was Obama versus McCain. Okay, okay, I started a website, getdrunkandvoteformccain.com, but I did it. (laughs) I voted for McCain. My friend John Phillips on radio got drunk, used a breathalyzer, and filled out his absentee ballot for McCain. We did it, and we weren't happy about it. And these little brats, 
They accuse us, conservatives of principle, of being upset when they run exocrines no, for president and we vote for their guys? Now they're taking their ball and going home? No, it's outrageous. It shows they never really cared about the Second Amendment. They never really cared about abortion. They never really cared about this country. Newt Gingrich had a great line, and i got to let you go after this. He said, Donald Trump is the first genuine outsider in my lifetime. Now, Newt's been around a while to take on the entire national establishment in both the Republican and Democratic parties. And what's beginning to be obvious is it's a huge establishment. And I've said this. I didn't realize how deep it was. And by the way, it's a corrupt establishment, and it's an establishment that pays off each other, and it's an establishment that does all types of insider deals. And you see the incestuous nature between the media, et cetera. But i got to well, go. Yeah, it goes right up By the way, you're making, it, you're making it impossible for me to— um, to fulfill your mother's wishes. I got to My find... mother never said this Yes, to she you. did. She did so. Uh, Sean, you went to the bathroom. We were going... I went out... And Coulter's a pisser. He's like the sister that I never had, you know? I've been a lot of people that's come up dead in Arkansas, and I've had a lot of people ask me, aren't you scared for your life? And actually, I have been. We will destroy you, is what they said to me. Who said? My brother said it on behalf of Billy when he was campaigning for him in 1992. Bill, you're in any danger? And at this point, people Not anymore. You? I used to. You used I, to think that you I were was in physical really, danger? I was threatened really, really, yeah, I was. I was very scared. I was horribly, horribly threatened. And, and people don't know that story. Why did you originally deny it, considering this was a legal matter? Did you see what happened to Jennifer Flowers? Did you see what was happening to Paula Jones? My allegation. Yes. No, not afraid. I just I just knew what would happen. Now, the New York Times, their story on Donald Trump was debunked, but I don't see the major exposés on the numerous women that claim not only consensual relationships, but also that were either exposed to, in the case of Paula Jones or Kathleen Willie, groped and grabbed and fondled and touched and kissed against her will, or in the case of Juanita Broderick, uh, saying that she was raped by Bill Clinton. I've interviewed these women. Now, a lot of people uh, in the mainstream media just, oh, well, that's been debunked. You ask them where it's been debunked, and it's never been debunked. It's just their narrative and their support of the Clintons. Now, we've learned an awful lot in the last week about the media. Katie Couric inserting eight seconds to make a gun group look terrible, and in fact, they answered immediately. We have the case of Telemundo and a, and a cameraman choreographing protesters that were actually in the process of leaving the protest. How to sit, where to sit, how to hold the flag so that this guy can get his shot in. That was exposed. Then, of course, the New York Times hit piece was exposed. All the women that supposedly were abused by Donald Trump came out in his defense. And the women stated that the New York Times purposefully manipulated uh, what they said and took out of context what they said. Amazing turn of events in every way. Now, there are other women over the course of the years that I have interviewed. Now, we had Juanita and Kathleen and Paula Jones on last week. Uh, Dolly Kyle is somebody I've known for a number of years. It's been a while since we've talked. She's come out with a brand new book, Hillary, the Other Woman, which is a political memoir. And uh, Dolly Kyle, welcome back to the program. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Sean. You know, you uh, I never knew this in all the times that I interviewed you. You start early in the book that you were raped by a friend of Bill Clinton's when you were 16 years old, that you were drugged and raped. Yes, I was a virgin. I was drugged and I was raped. And I didn't tell anyone 
until about 13 years later when I told Billy, and it was actually the day Elvis died, I told him I had been drugged and raped, and he said, I'm sorry that happened to you. When and you, so when you say Billy, he raped Juanita. for those that don't know, you refer to Bill Clinton as Billy. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So well, I don't think most people refer to Bill Clinton as Billy. So, but, uh, but then you've always had that, I guess, name with him. Anyway, 13 well, sure, years. I met him when I was 11. I was introduced to him as Billy, and that's what I've always called him. My whole family calls him Billy. And right. a lot of people in Hot Springs call him Billy. Right. Now, you finally, 13 years later, told somebody. You told him about yes. what had happened. Yes. Explain. And the terrible thing is, about, I don't know, 10 years after that, I told a friend of mine. She asked me who did it. I told her she knew two other women who had been raped by that same guy who raped me. So then I felt really terrible because, my God, do you suppose she knew the only three women he had raped? I don't think so. What, is your, what was your relationship with Bill Clinton? We met when I was 11. He was 12 going on 13. We were friends in high school. We got to be friendlier over time. We uh, at, later had um, an adulterous affair for which I have repented. I am sorry. I was wrong. I did a lot of wrong things. So you had a and, consensual relationship with Bill Clinton when he was married to Hillary. Yes. What, what Was he, he the attorney general at the time? Was he uh, the governor at the time? What was he? All of the above. So you had a long-standing sexual relationship with him while he was married? Yes. How many years? Oh, goodness, Sean, don't make me do the math. Um, before he was married, and then during his marriage, and up until he was running for president, when the same guy who had Jennifer Flowers' story called me, I called Billy to say, whoa, this is about to be exposed, and he, through my brother, said to me, if you cooperate with the media, we will destroy you. That was pretty much the end of it. Yeah, so that intimidated you, which, by the way, is very consistent with a pattern. If you listen to Juanita, if you listen to Kathleen and you listen to Paula, those are names that are well-known. But, again, there's a whole other generation of people out there, millennials, that are supporting Bernie Sanders seemingly in, in large numbers over Hillary that don't know all of this. Well, uh, that's true, Sean. And the other thing is this: you can list a half a dozen, a dozen, 20 women whose names are somewhat familiar. But don't forget that Billy Clinton admitted to me when we were talking about Wilt Chamberlain, who said he'd had sex with 20,000 women. Billy said, that's 10 times more than I've had. So do the math. So 2,000 women, he said. He'd did, had. did he think, did he mean it literally, do you think? I think he, he meant it literally. I think there were, okay, maybe not 2,000. Maybe he didn't keep count. Maybe it's only hundreds. But here's what I'm saying. All of those hundreds of women whose names you don't know and some of most of whose names I don't know, those women are still terrified because Hillary is the terrorist. She is the person who uses threats, violence, and intimidation for a political aim. That is the definition of terrorism. You have a whole chapter about meeting Hillary Clinton. Tell us about that and how long into the affair did this happen? <laughs> oh, Sean, that's not fair for people who are going to read the book. That's the best description ever. But uh, it was 1974. Billy and I and Hillary, all of us were single at the time. He was teaching law in Fayetteville and running for Congress. He asked me to pick him up at the airport, um, which I did, and he had this woman with him. He introduced her as Hillary, and I promise you, I thought it was a joke. So did you know at that point that was his wife? No, no, no. She 
wasn't his wife then. Oh, this at that point. Okay, so this is before all of this happened, but you had been friends with Bill. You didn't start an affair with him until after they were married. You didn't have any... No, no, no. I have, we, we had an affair in that spring of 1974. I was single. Okay. He was single. She was single. He was having okay. a relationship with Marla Kreider at the university, and Hillary came down and found about, out about Marla and threatened her. So, yeah, it's uh, Hillary's been inserting herself with threats from the beginning. You describe at another point in the book, Hillary, um, as somebody that was known in the, I guess, area as antisocial, narcissistic, uh, disregard for comfort, needs, schedules, and the convenience of other people. And you've learned about later the, her arrogance towards state troopers in Arkansas and staff mm-hmm. serving them in the White House. Mm-hmm. And then you said, watch the impervious way Hillary treats anyone beneath her, especially young black women. Are right. you suggesting she's racist? Oh, I'm absolutely suggesting she's racist. And I say, talk in the book about the racial discrimination lawsuits that were filed against Billy when he was governor by blacks and by Hispanics. Do you know that at one point he told the Arkansas State Police to stop and search every car and truck driven by an Hispanic in the state of Arkansas? And they sued him, took him to federal court. He was reprimanded by a federal judge, and he got so mad about that. Then he told the state troopers they could just stop and search any car they wanted to search. Here, let me put put some of this uh, uh, in terms of a timeline together for people, because when Bill Clinton decided he's going to run for president, and Jennifer Flowers had that big press conference, and it was the National Enquirer at the time, and she had the tapes of Bill Clinton, and then there was a big push to say that those tapes were severely edited and then hillary and bill go on 60 minutes and claim that nothing had ever happened years later during impeachment and people forget this he did admit that he had a relationship sexual relationship with jennifer flowers but only one time which you know was not true i mean at that point he was admitting to a lie from years ago to get into the white house if people knew at the time i don't think he would have been elected well, Sean, I think that he admitted to the one time because word on the street in Arkansas is that she got pregnant by Billy and had an abortion. So he would have to admit to that one time, I think. I don't know if it's because she had records of that. I don't know. That's just the word on the street and sounds reasonable to me. I by never, way, I I never heard that. And I don't want to I don't want to look. Jennifer Flowers has been through a lot. I've known her over the years. I don't want to I don't want to say anything like that if we don't know for sure. Let okay. me ask this, because okay. you, you, you talk at length about. You know, all the women that were lied about, you being one of them, when this whole... Now, Monica Lewinsky was a consensual relationship. Jennifer Flowers was a consensual relationship. Yours was a consensual relationship. Very different than what Paula, Juanita, and Kathleen Willie are describing. But you say even in that lawsuit that Paula Jones brought that you were lied about there. Oh, absolutely. In fact, this was the basis for... Uh, Dave Shippers, who was the chief investigative counsel for the Clinton impeachment, they had incontrovertible proof of Billy's lying about me. He actually turned in handwritten notes to a federal judge, and they interviewed people in Hot Springs to find out that it was absolutely, completely wrong what he said. And that's what that was the perjury, the suborning of perjury. He got his aide to do the same thing, to lie under oath. It was, she wrote the same kind of notes, backing up what he said. Um, It was witness tampering. It was obstruction of justice. And all of those things were the reasons that Dave Shippers was going to call me to be the chief witness for the Clinton impeachment, except you know what happened to that. 
Well, then, so he lied under oath about you, and you yes. you had really what was a decades-long affair. I mean, this went on for like 20 years, right? Yes, right. And and how would he see you when he was married to Hillary? How would those liaisons happen? Oh, sure, and that is the easiest thing in the world. I mean, I know you're a good guy and you wouldn't do this, but trust me, everyone always has the time for an affair, and they have an easy way to figure it out. It, it's one of the things that happens to people who are... All right, so, so in other words... Now, do you know of other women? I mean, there. how many women do you know of that you believe he has had sex with while he was married to Hillary? There are probably only another 20 that I know about. And did, did Hillary Clinton know about you? When did she learn about what was going on with you and him? She knew about me when they were at Yale because Billy moved in with her in the fall of, I think it was 1972, and he told her about me then, or at least... He told me that he told her, but, you know, Billy's such a liar as she is. You can't ever be sure what he really did. Yeah, and and you were intimidated as well. You were afraid to tell your story because you watched what was unfolding with Jennifer Flowers while he was running for president. No, Sean, that's not exactly true. I was threatened, but I have never been afraid. I testified. I never recanted my story. I was available to testify. And the reason that I wrote my first novel as a novel was that I want to be a novelist, and it was loosely based on our true story. And they started attacking me and planting false stories in national publications about me so that my book wouldn't get published. And that's why I filed a lawsuit against Billy and some of his co-conspirators there in the White House. You have a whole chapter. Now, I've interviewed all these other women that I mentioned, Juanita, Kathleen and Paula, and people have asked me over the years if I believe them. And the answer is I do believe them. And you talk in the book how you believe Juanita. Why do you believe her? I found her extraordinarily, sadly, the whole thing credible. As a matter of fact, the first time I interviewed her, I, I had a very hard time conducting that interview. Oh, yeah, that was tough. Well, I saw the interview on um, the, the interview with Lisa Myers of NBC. I talked to Lisa Myers about this because Lisa Myers wanted to interview me on the steps of the federal courthouse in Washington when I filed the lawsuit. And we had that set for the next morning. She called me that night and she said, I'm sorry, Dolly, we can't do the interview. And I said, why? She said, the NBC higher-ups have nixed it. How do you know that Bill Clinton is a sex addict? Because you well, say that in the book. that to me. Here's the thing. I I got into therapy after a second divorce. I thought, okay, what's the common denominator here? Well, it has to be me. I have to have a problem. So I got into therapy. I found out I was a codependent. I started reading about uh, sex addiction, and I saw that not only was Billy a sex addict, but I was as well. And this is very typical for people who have been raped. They either go toward the promiscuous or they go toward the frigid, and that's what I did. And I had to work through all that in order to get myself back to some kind of state of uh, normalcy because it is a horrible thing to be raped. It is horrible, and it's the most out-of-control feeling. I mean, I woke up to this horrid pain because I had been drugged and I wasn't even aware of the first part of it. Uh, We'll talk to you more in the future because I think there's still more to say, but I think as this uh, issue comes forward, and I have no doubt Hillary's going to play the gender card a lot in this campaign, uh, we will be getting back to you. Uh, Dolly Kyle, thank you for being with us, and uh, I'm sorry for all the pain that you went through, and thank you for telling your story. The book is called Hillary, the Other Woman. It's uh, a political memoir. Dolly Kyle wrote it. Thank you for being with us. You're welcome, Sean. Always great to talk to you. And it's on Hannity.com right now if you want to 
Uh, take a look at it. Hillary is not a talented person. In fact, she's a person with absolutely no natural talent. All you have to do is watch her speak. And you ever notice, even for a minor speech, she has teleprompters. Do I have teleprompters here? No. But she's got like these minor speeches and she's going. And I saw this a couple of times. See, you know, four words. We're going to win in the north, south, east and west. Ba, 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 ba. Oh, boy. So insincere. Hillary Clinton. And this is 100 percent. Hillary Clinton. Who lies? I mean, she lies. You remember that? I started that. She lies. She lies. She made a speech and she's making another one tomorrow. And they sent me a copy of the speech. And it was such lies about my foreign policy that they said, I want Japan to nuke. I want Japan to get nuclear weapons. Give me a break. Just yesterday, we learned the truth about Donald Trump's big talk about helping veterans. It turns out it wasn't until the press shamed him that he actually made the donations he had promised. For months, it was all just a publicity stunt. Well, today, we're learning about another scam, the so-called Trump University. Trump, Trump and his employees took advantage of vulnerable Americans encouraging them to max out their credit cards, empty their retirement savings, destroy their financial futures, all while making promises they knew were false from the beginning. This is just more evidence that Donald Trump himself is a fraud. He is trying to scam America the way he scammed all those people at Trump U. All right, that was Hillary Clinton attacking uh, Donald Trump, as she's been doing all day. Oh, he can't be trusted on foreign policy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there's a story that I want to share with you that very few people know about. Well, the American thinker deserves a lot of credit for this. Few people know about how Bill Clinton actually was hired in 2010. I bet you didn't know this, Linda, to be the chancellor of the Laureate Network, the world's largest for-profit university network. Did you know that? No, you didn't. Now, Clinton has personally been paid to make appearances promoting this university in countries like Malaysia and Peru and Spain. And by January of 2014, Laureate University had 800,000 students worldwide. Its annual revenue was $4 billion, far larger than revenues to, quote, Trump University, which was basically like a seminar course. Except that, you know, just a few people signed up for the extended course, but it was a seminar course like in real estate or other other ways to make money. Now, um, Clinton was paid for all of this. Laureate has now taken over struggling colleges using high pressure marketing tactics like turbocharging enrollment using students as telemarketers. And they were investigated by the Rio State Legislature's Investigative Commission on Private Universities in Brazil. Uh, Robson Late, who is a Rio State legislator who led the probe, concluded the following. They have turned education into a commodity that focuses more on profit than on knowledge. Neither Laureate nor Bill Clinton will disclose how much money that Bill Clinton has been paid to to promote 
the for-profit international university setup, which features both classroom and online instruction. One student named Larissa De Silva uh, complained that when she enrolled in the Brazilian branch of Laureate, the admissions officer promised her 30% discount on tuition. Two years later, the deal evaporated and her monthly tuition costs jumped through the roof. She summarized the change in policy by stating, quote, I feel completely deceived. And apparently the fine print states that grants and tuition discounts may be temporary. So it's not it's her fault for not lawyering up before she enrolled in the Clinton promoted college. Now, they also have a habit at Laureate of allowing students with low admissions tests, uh, score, test scores to enroll as well. One such person named uh, Felipe Lenjaras, uh, age 24, stated he was surprised when he was accepted as a student. I knew I had done horribly on the test, he recalled, but the salespeople called me three times saying I did great and asking when I would come down to enroll. Now, these international universities, unlike Trump University, is still in existence and they're going strong. And the news media attacking Trump, well, maybe they could look at this connection as well. How much did Bill Clinton get paid? And was this a scam? And were people scammed in this? Now, if I had to guess, I'd say the Clintons are going to rue the day they ever brought up Trump University because the stuff we're gathering today about the Clintons' very own shady third world college scam here, you know, makes Trump University look like Harvard in comparison, especially the report this past March on how Hillary used her State Department and her clout from the State Department to help the same for-profit shady college that was paying her husband millions of dollars. Raw Story reported this. It was recently revealed through Hillary's emails that during the first year as Secretary of State, she insisted that Laureate Education be included in the guest list for an education policy dinner hosted by the U.S. Department of State. It is a for-profit model that should be represented, she wrote in August of 2009 in an email that she thought we'd never see on her private email server. Anyway, as a result, the senior vice president at this college was added to the guest list. Several months later, former President Bill Clinton became an honorary chancellor and which turned out to be incredibly lucrative. He was paid a cool $16.5 million between 2010 and 2014 for his role in the for-profit college. There are five schools in the U.S. that operate under Laureate's umbrella. Walden University in Minneapolis, even though the parent company had enough money to pay our former president $4 million a, a year, well, Walden charges students nearly $60,000 in tuition and fees for most undergraduate degrees. Wow. According to CNBC, critics of Laureate's uh, Walden University in Minnesota claim professors were inaccessible and that continual delays stretched out the time and thus the money the students needed to pay to earn an advanced degree. Three students filed the lawsuit against Walden, hoping to make it a class action suit, alleging breach of contract, unjust enrichment and violations of state consumer protection and unfair competition laws. Another Laureate school, the New School of Architecture, Design and Design in San Diego, charges undergraduate students they're eight thousand six hundred and forty six dollars per quarter in tuition alone that's quarter quarterly four times a year and Kendall's college tuition is just as outrageous Laureate gets 84 percent of its revenue from outside the U.S. mostly from Latin American countries company faced a great deal of backlash in Chile and Brazil, leading to the loss of accreditation for one of its Chilean schools in 2014. And Chile's National Accreditation Commission cited low graduation rates, a sharp increase in student enrollment without faculty numbers, keeping pace with low faculty salaries. And it's a classic behavior of these schools to cut costs, increase revenue 
And again, those institutions will run like businesses looking for profit. And according to the Washington Post, critics also argue that Laureate spends too much money on marketing, executive salaries, and recruitment of students rather than on quality education. Wow. Joining us now to weigh in on this double standard is Brian Finch. He is the co-chair of the cybersecurity uh, practice at Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman. Jessica Tarlove, senior strategist at Schoen Consulting. Now, why do I think that the Clintons are going to now regret Trump University? Jessica. Um, I don't think that they're going to regret it, um, but certainly this isn't fabulous news, and we're going to need to know more. I, I see the American Thinker article that you read, and I think Bloomberg looked into this, too, actually a few years ago. Um, this is going to add to the murkiness surrounding the Clintons, uh, but I don't think they're going to rue the day that they went after Donald Trump for anything. Um, $16, million, do- wait, $16 million, poor uh-huh. people from poor countries that are saying that they were bamboozled and ripped off by this company, and even the affiliates in America, they are saying, you know, they lost their accreditation, accreditation, and so on and so forth. So how can they possibly... I'm not saying that it's a good thing. We need more details. Obviously, this is just the beginning of it, and we're going to get more information as it goes on. And I'm sure that the press is going to look into it. What I'm saying is... I'm not so sure the press will look into this. You'll do it for sure. And I know that there are other journalists who will be interested in this. And, you know, Peter Schweitzer, there are people out there hot on the heels of the Clintons about this stuff. But I would just say that Trump's issues exist and they're going to keep going after them and Clinton's issues exist and they're going to keep going after them. And and that's just why it's going to be the messiest battle we've seen. And I I don't think that they're going to regret going after him about Trump University. I just don't. What do you think, if I can ask Brian, your thoughts? Pretty interesting that every time the Clintons hit Trump, it boomerangs back, doesn't it? It does, and I think they've never really faced a candidate like Trump before. Uh, Being a New Yorker, at least technically, I'm from upstate New York, I'm not sure they've ever really faced a New Yorker like Donald Trump before, who's from the city and is very hard-nosed, and uh, really, investigations from the New York Times and the Washington Post, etc., that's old hat for Trump. He's been battling the Daily News and other New York City newspapers for decades at this point. So a a bit of an investigative journalism that has probably uh, warmed over leftovers uh, from previous uh, newspaper accounts and investigations really aren't going to phase him. It may be news for the rest of the country, but ultimately, I I think from a a Trump perspective, it's it's something that he's not going to be too concerned about, and he's not going to be afraid to fire back on issues like you've identified. And I'm sure each side will have its own story. Uh, Clintons will have their story. Trump will have his own side of the story as well. But uh, the, the one thing that they can be sure about on the Clinton camp is that uh, every time they fire, they're going to face return fire from Trump, and it's going to be a pretty heavy broadside. I think that's absolutely true. Now, the judge presiding over the university case and the Trump University case is a member of La Raza, which is the race lawyers group. We also came to light, and and Jeff Lord broke this on the American Spectator, that the law firm Robbins Geller, appointed by Judge Gonzalo uh, Coriel to represent a plaintiff in the Trump University class action lawsuit, apparently has yet another connection to Hillary Clinton beyond a $2,700 campaign contribution from firm chairman Darren Robbins. It seems that Robbins Geller paid the Clintons nearly half a million dollars in speeches. So doesn't that seem like the deck is stacked against Donald Trump and that that judge should have recused himself? 
Well, there's certainly uh, methods in place for a judge, particularly a federal judge, to be vetted and to be removed or to have their decision overturned if there is an appearance of a lack of impartiality when it comes to uh, these types of these matters. Having litigated somewhat in my career, these are uh, always issues that come up. And certainly, if you're on the losing side of things, there there are many, many colorful adjectives that come across the lips of lawyers out of earshot of the judge and the uh, and the U.S. Marshals in a federal case to talk about their their lack of impartiality uh, now you know with respect to membership in La Raza or other uh, those types of groups uh, you know that doesn't surprise me that there's criticism you would hear the same thing about conservative judges uh, regarding uh, the Federalist Society but at the end of the day are voters really going to care about that no I think we're just in a mood Sean where in 2016 people are just so upset and so angry about Washington and everything that's been going on the political class and, and the way the economy is being run, our position in the world, et cetera, that a, a lawsuit over a business venture uh, run by Donald Trump isn't really going to be what is going to be the deciding factor, much like no one's really going to say, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump because the Donald J. Trump tie I bought at a retail store wasn't as nice as another brand. I, I, I think ultimately they're going to carry about the same weight uh, in the general election. But by a two-to-one margin, Jessica, mm-hmm. the American people find Donald Trump more trustworthy Worthy than Hillary Clinton. It's remarkable, yeah. Uh, well, no, I don't I, think I that's that... I don't think that's remarkable because we know oh, that well, Hillary Clinton. I do. <laughs> we, you know, well, I can give you a series of lies that Hillary Clinton has told. I mean, just on this week alone, we learned on her email scandal that she's told numerous lies. For example, mm-hmm. with the IG report that came out, in spite I of know. what Hillary is saying, we found out that uh, senior department officials were not asked to approve her private email server. They weren't aware of the scope or extent of the use. We also learned that Clinton staff shut down her server temporarily because of hacking attempts when, you know, Hillary and company said there was no evidence of a breach of her server. They also claimed that she believed she was following the practices of other secretaries, but Colin Powell didn't use personal email. I I did use personal email, but he didn't have a private server. And technology guidelines by the time uh, Clinton took over were more detailed and more sophisticated in spite of her claim. She told numerous lies this week alone. Oh, no. I, I Listen, I think the IG report is a very large problem. And I, I thought, you know, before that came out that she was going to get through this kind of, you know, it would continue to float around, but she wasn't going to have big problems from it. And I, I think it's very serious. I do think also that, you know, Trump has history and trustworthiness issues. And we know about, you know, the vet's donation money that he wrote those checks once the media started looking into it, or I think half the checks. But either way, listen, these are two untrustworthy candidates, and I know that Rasmussen polled have found that he was more trusted so, than her. It was surprising to me. Yeah, so by two to I'm one. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that means you're voting for Trump? Oh, no, 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 no. It does not mean anything well, like your, that. Well, your boss uh, said she may not even be the— work to do. Your boss, Doug Schoen, said he may, she may not even be the candidate if she loses uh, California. I know. Um, you yeah, agree with I've him? I've talked to Doug extent, extensively about that. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I think that only an indictment stands in her way, but I saw another poll that 50 percent think that she should keep running even if she's indicted um Listen, so I, I've, like- I've said that if we caught her on videotape shooting somebody in the back of the head they'd still vote for her so what can i tell you well, i mean Don- that's- didn't donald trump say that he could stand on fifth avenue and shoot someone and his voters would still back him so he said that and but i don't think that's as true as in the case of hillary but that's a good point uh, I, I, well. two two shade to you jessica all right thank <laughs> oh, you all look at that. <laughs>
I know, right? I see I'm growing as a host. I'm growing as a human being. Well, illegal immigration is up 57% just over the last two years. Now imagine for a minute, you're one of those Americans out of the labor force, one of those Americans, millions more in poverty, millions more in food stamps under Obama. And what do you find out? Yeah, illegal immigration is up 57%. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking my government doesn't care about me getting back to work out of poverty and off of food stamps. Sad. Because they're the, you know, who are the people that are now competing for the jobs that Americans can't get already? Those are illegal immigrants. They want to survive. They want a job. It's not like they have access immediately to government benefits, so they'll work cheaper. Well, that takes jobs away from Americans. And the people disproportionately impacted by this over the Obama years have been minorities. And you have to wonder why 93% of black America voted for Obama. Such a large percentage of the Hispanic community votes for Democrats every election year. A ACLU top state official has resigned because she is opposed to transgender bathrooms. By the way, I only thought it was we conservatives that were Neanderthals that didn't want biological men in the same bathrooms as little teenage girls. It's ridiculous. Anyway, LifeSite News points out that the African-American woman who leads a state chapter of the ACLU has resigned, citing her own daughter's frightened reaction to biological males using the woman's restroom. Got to give her credit. I hate these lawsuits. Anyway, there's a guy, a a, a blind Louisiana man. I often hate these lawsuits, I should say. Suing McDonald's in an attempt to force the burger chain to serve customers who walk up to the drive-thru window to place an order. Now, now let me tell you, this is, I don't know what McDonald's policies are. I've actually walked up to drive-in windows and they've taken care of me. Yeah, no, I have. You've never done that? I don't know, because I saw it was empty. That's why. I'm always looking for... You know me. Why are you looking... Put your mic on. I can't... People can't see the reaction. Well, I just don't understand. Why would you... Why wouldn't you walk into the walking no, but I, area and drive in like the driving I, area? If I parked and I see the ladies at the window, I've walked up to the window and said, can I have, you know... But why would you park? Because I don't know. I because don't know that's... Because it's dumb. <laughs> oh, no, no. I remember... No, I remember. We were in a city. We were being driven. And I remember the guy pulled over and I just walked up and the lady served me. Why didn't you now, say but, to but him? Please my only pull point, up. my only point was, is that because I just did. He parked. I was going in. I saw the lady and I just walked up. I'm just telling you what happened. You know, I don't usually as a regular measure walk up to the drive through window. I would normally go in. But in this particular case, know, I remember if you did doing that it on the regular. It would be but the lady, the my point is the lady served me that day. It was a Wendy's. And, you know, my question is, this is so stupid. This is so dumb. It's like people that sue over hot coffee, and they spill hot coffee on themselves, and it burns them, and it's terrible. But I now we all have to drink warm coffee as a result of these frivolous lawsuits. And by the way, you know, I want this, this guy, look, he has every right to get whatever he wants. I don't understand. If I owned a business and a guy walked up and he was blind and he was at the drive through window, why don't you just serve the guy? You know, maybe they're thinking, all right, well, then we have to worry about the lawsuit that says, well, the car that follows the guy that walked up to the drive through window gets hit by a car and we'll get sued there. OK, just a quick question, because I don't know this story. Did, it, did he walk up there by accident because he's blind and he wasn't he didn't know that he was there or was this an intentional 35 year old guy? He filed his lawsuit in Chicago federal court. He's arguing the restaurant's policy of refusing to serve driverless customers is a direct violation of the Americans with Disability Act. Now, every one of these stores has to be ADA compliant, don't they? They have to have wheelchair ramps, for example. I had a story today. So uh, I had a meeting this morning and uh, I went out to Friendly's with my wife and she sees this guy in a wheelchair that's trying to 
go uphill to go to the hospital, which is about, you know, through two and a half lights down. And she looks at me and she goes, she points. She goes, go take it, go help the guy. And I went to help him. It turns out that the guy was a vet of uh, the first Gulf War. And uh, he was in town and he thought he'd be able to make it on his own. He wasn't going to make it to the hospital. He had to pick up some medicine or something. So I dropped him off in the emergency room. I said, are you all right? And, you know, we, we took care of him. But, you know, that's what people do. I mean, if I owned a business, I would make it wheelchair accessible and you follow the law. But this is where this is where we all pay more because some people sue over the silliest of things. And I think the policy is stupid, too. If somebody comes up, walked up to the drive through window and it was Hannity's hamburgers, I would serve them because I'd be glad that a customer came to my store. And if that's how they want to be served, I'd serve them. And then when you got sued because they were hit yeah, by a motorcycle break. or a vehicle because they were walking in a drive through area and the person behind them didn't see them for one reason or another because they were standing as opposed to being in a vehicle, then you would you change your policy because now you were sued? Hey, you, this is good news. Speaking of food, on Wednesday, you on so Wednesday, the Food and Drug Administration they're gonna they're now moving to cut the average salt consumption by a third in an effort to reduce heart attacks and strokes. As if I'm a big salt user. Yeah, I know it's massive. I you put it on everything. My daughter puts it on ice for crazy. She got that from me. That's not good. I, do we really need the government telling us to put salt on th- where when we can use salt? How much salt? For example, I love French fries. When I have French fries, the few times I'll eat them because I'm too fat, I put a ton of salt on them so I can really enjoy it because that's how I like them. I need a government official moderating how much salt goes into French fries now. Oh, Philadelphia schools, you're from Philly. They added two Muslim holidays. I don't know if you saw that. And, of course, you know, with all the talk about the gorilla, we had 64 people shot over the holiday weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, 66 shot and five dead in Chicago over the holiday weekend. Unbelievable. Um, And we did have a teacher. This was in Houston, Texas, a 24-year-old middle school English teacher got impregnated by a 13-year-old student. She turned herself in today. Uh, You know, Bob Grant used to always, you know, something, it's sick and it's getting sicker. It's sick, all right. It's twisted sick. All right, let's get to our uh, busy telephones. We got Michael is in Connecticut on the Sean Hannity Show. Michael, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Uh, not much. First, I just want to say you've been doing great work this election season. I really want to thank you for that. Listen, I thank you for for this is what we do. We tried to do it fairly and, and thoroughly. And I know we didn't satisfy everybody, but we tried as hard as we could. We really did. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. So the reason I called today is because you have been talking about commencements and graduation speeches, different college student reactions. And something funny happened at my, at mine. On May 8th, I graduated from the UConn School of Business, and we had a man speaking by the name of John Kim. He's the chief investment officer for New York Life Insurance, I believe. And he was talking about the 90s and how Bill Clinton was president. And then he made a comment that said, perhaps we will have a Mrs. Clinton as president this year. And the whole place, student section, the parents watching, the family and friends, the place just erupted in booze. It was crazy. The amount of hatred for that woman wow. is insane. Like, I have no doubt Donald Trump will win the millennial vote. Look, I'm not making, I'm not in the prediction business for politics in particular. I think that the electoral map is, I don't care who the candidate is. I am convinced, though, and I'm, you know, people, I, I vacillated back and forth during this primary. Who was the most electable? 
But I do think that Donald Trump, of all the 17 candidates, probably is the most electable. I think this country has moved from center-right to more center-center-left. I think especially the younger generation wants too much for free. Um, And I think that our educational system has destroyed an entire generation of kids and indoctrinated them into socialism. And it's scary because if we don't apply conservative principles, from my perspective, I don't think we're going to be able to change the country and will deteriorate. It is predictable as one plus one equals two. America in decline now is predictable. I went through the numbers earlier today. It is in a rapid, precipitous, dangerous decline. Hillary Clinton represents a continuation of policies that will keep America in decline. Scary. Karen is in Miami, News Radio 600 WIOD. How are you, Karen? Hi, Sean. I just want to say you spoke of someone praised Tom Joyner yesterday. And I just want to say as an African-American down in South Florida, healthcare business owner who's been slaughtered by the president, I stopped listening to Tom Joyner. He does not speak for black America, but I stopped listening to him at the campaigning of Barack because of the promotion of ignorant and very one-sided, narrow-minded thinking. So yeah. I just wanted to input that. My life. Is well, I mean, I was having this argument that the mainstream media did not vet Obama. And I was having that argument with Austin Goolsby. And we made a bet that besides George Stephanopoulos asking about Bill Ayers, that nobody else in the mainstream media asked the question. And so he came back with, well, Tom Joyner did and some other obscure host that I'd never heard of did. And I said, well, you mean this Tom Joyner when when this? Yeah, this this is another shark bite. This took place in Hawaii. By the way, they're they're talking about a story. What's the girl's name? The little girl's name again. Bethany Hamilton. I interviewed her. Lovely girl. And I, from what I heard, she got married. She's doing well. But a shark bit off her arm and she was a surfer. And this is how the mainstream media, according to Austin Goolsby, treated that story. Listen, just listen to this. Best friend and her friend's father. But she was lying on the board off of Kauai's North Shore. A shark bit once and then disappeared, taking her left arm just below the shoulder. Wow. She said nobody saw it happen, but everybody heard her yell, a shark just bit me. Wow. If you're of the building, stay out the water, white people, shark won't bite you. That's why it keeps on, keeps on biting white. Ooh, the shark bites. He bites white right. And he keeps on saying my biting white. <laughs> oh, that shark bites. He bites white right. <laughs> and he keeps on biting white. Take it down. And it goes on. Mac, then it's, you know, that's pretty horrible. A young, a, what was she, 11, 12, 13 years old at the time, lost her arm, 13 years they old. they do it for everyone, Sean. They do that for everyone. Everything's a joke. No, I don't think that's a joke. I don't care. Any child, young child, does it, loses their arm. What's funny about it? It's not funny to me. It's a, it's tragic, and you know, and the girl's a lovely girl. I met her. All right, thank you, Karen. God bless you. Uh, Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, Steve in Arizona. What's up, Steve? Oh, how are you? Glad you called, sir. John, you there? Yes, sir. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I'm even nervous talking to you. It's like talking to the president. You're talking to a friend. There's no (laughs) need to be nervous. Let not your heart be troubled. Okay, well, I'll make it quick. I have a Trump 
flag and a Navy flag next to it. I have an American flag in my yard. And when I put my Trump flag up, I got my yard egged. And that wasn't a big deal. They used a brown egg, so they're more expensive, so they wasted their own money. But my daughters were scared, uh, 20 and 17, and they said, Dad, what happens if they try and do something worse to us? And I'm like, they're not going to. So I was kind of hoping you could say something to help me out. Well, look, um, you know, I live my life in a world where I am constantly criticized. There was an article. Did you see the article today, Linda, in the Washington Post? You know, that I I interviewed Donald Trump about all the, the charities that he was, the military charities. And the Washington, there were, what, 50 of them, 60 of them? I didn't read the whole list. One of them happened to be the Freedom Alliance, which I'm associated with. But By the way, proudly. I gave them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations from my own pocket. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud that I was able to do that and proud to work with them because they give scholarships to the children of of slain soldiers. And uh, I, you know, and I didn't disclose it. I'm like, so what? And what's what's the problem? I didn't even know they were on the list, to be honest. So stupid. And you know why they did it? Because they were caught red handed. Because Donald Trump did the right thing by those charities. He vetted the charities. If he didn't vet the charities... Then and he gave them the money. Then everyone would criticize where he gave the money to, which is what the Washington Post is trying to do. So what I my advice to you is: let not your heart be troubled. You go fight for what you believe in. Somebody eggs your house. You find out who it is. You egg their house. I did that once to a bully in my neighborhood. I put eggs on my house that morning and uh, on Halloween. The next night, I trashed his house with dozens. But I'm not pro retaliation. You know, why I actually am? So why do, why are you making me lie? I, you know, somebody eggs my house, I'm going to egg theirs. Somebody punches me, I'm punching them back harder. What, what is what? Why, you, why did you make me say something I don't believe? Because the problem is, is that we live in a society where even though you might believe that, you know, it's right to fight back, then someone's going to say, oh, I did this because Sean Hannity said I have a right to fight back. And suddenly I said, if somebody eggs your house, if they, yeah. all right, if they let me speak for is myself. it an eye for an eye kind of thing. If somebody puts eggs on my house and I know who they are, I'll like theirs back twice as bad. OK. That's what I would do. Not that we're encouraging anyone to do Not this. Not that we're encouraging anyone else to do this. we're telling anybody what to do. No, I'm just saying what I would do. You should lead your lives the way you feel you should. And personal responsibility is exactly. our motto. Make your own decisions. All right. Are we, are we safe and secure now? I Ms. feel good now. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere, and it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns, and you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com, get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. 
Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. The world is becoming more and more unstable by the day. And many Americans are not waiting around to find out how bad it could get. They're making the decision to diversify their wealth with precious metals like gold and silver. And they're turning to the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo. Right now, GoldCo is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Go to HannityGold.com to learn more. That's HannityGold.com.